Welcome to Wine and Real Estate, the podcast where we drink wine, we have fun, and we learn about real estate investing. Real estate investing is so much more than just buying buildings. It's about building relationships, building your dreams, building your dream lifestyle, customizing your life. What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? It's much more than money. It's more than getting rich. It's a different type of wealth. It's the wealth of time, the wealth of freedom. And now let's get to the wine and the real estate. Let's start this episode with some financing tips from our go-to mortgage broker, Streetwise Mortgages. Over to you, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And in today's episode, I will continue to share with you how to align financing with your chosen investment strategy. Today's strategy is rent to own. The rent to own strategy is one where you as an investor own a property for a predefined period during which you enter into two agreements with the tenant. The first agreement is a rental agreement whereby the tenant pays you rents under the regular tenancy laws. The second agreement is an option consideration where the tenant has the option to buy the property from you at the end of the agreed upon term or earlier at a price that you both agree to. Under a rent-to-own agreement, the tenants often pay you higher than market rents, a percentage of which is accounted for as part of their future down payment and deposit for buying the house from you. A rent-to-own strategy done right will yield you as an investor strong cash flows and strong returns on investment while you're helping someone get into home ownership. If you are investing in this strategy, here are the things you need to keep in mind from a financing standpoint. Number one, the tenant buyer deposit. If you're receiving a deposit from the tenant buyer, you cannot use that as part of your own down payment for closing a deal with a traditional lender. Many lenders want to see that you have skin in the game on a rental property and therefore they want to see that you are using your own funds or your own equity towards the down payment, not someone else's funds. Number two, rent-to-own terms generally range from three to four years. Some investors feel that they should take a fixed rate mortgage that matches the term. This way, the cash flow is stable and predictable. While this is valid, taking a fixed rate mortgage on a rent-to-own strategy will be very costly if you break that mortgage before the end of the term. This can happen under one of two scenarios. Scenario number one is the tenant buyer walking away from the agreement before the end of the term and you having to sell the property. Scenario number two is if the tenant buyer qualifies to purchase the property from you before the end of the lease term. Number three, some investors mistakenly assume that they would qualify for a larger mortgage on a rent-to-own purchase because the rents collected are higher than the rents collected had the property been rented to a regular tenant. This is not true, as most lenders will not take this extra income into consideration when qualifying for the mortgage. Lenders go by what the property would rent for under normal rental circumstances, and often they will get an appraiser's opinion regarding what the property would rent for. If you are looking to invest into rent-to-own, and would like to structure financing the right way, or if you have a tenant buyer who has completed their option consideration term 
and needs help with the mortgage, our team at Streetwise Mortgages would be happy to assist. Contact us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. Hello, everyone. And as you just heard, welcome to Wine and Real Estate. So today we're not going to really talk about real estate. We're going to talk about investing in general. And this is good. This is a great opportunity. As some of you know my story, this all started out real estate investing because I was not satisfied with my investments, my registered funds. In Canada, we call them RRSPs, Registered Retirement Savings Plans. Uh, there's also TFSAs, so Tax-Free Savings Account. And today's guest, Chris, is joining us from beautiful United States. And they have similar programs with similar results. So anyway, <laughs> as a lot of you know, uh, sometimes there's like negative return or 1%, 2%. And with inflation, it's very important to find a vehicle that will provide you something above inflation. If not, you should just stuff it under your mattress and hope for the best. <laughs> so welcome, Chris. If you could give us a bit of background. I know I have your great bio, but I love my guests for them to tell it themselves because you know your story firsthand. So welcome. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Francois, for having me on and happy to to get into this stuff that we, that we all love and know so well. So I was... Um, probably like a lot of American and Canadian investors, you know, and that I, I grew up a conventional investor. Uh, and that's, you know, in, in those government plans, uh, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, that's what I did for, for many, many years. And, you know, it was going about, you know, I, I call it the, uh, uh, the, the 401k highway to mediocrity, you know, it was <laughs> going about as well as it goes. Right. And, um, unfortunately I didn't really know how bad it was, but, um, uh, I did that, and then in uh, in my mid 40s, I had a huge illiquidity event where I lost 55% of my assets and thousands of dollars a month wow. in cash flow, and that happened to be uh, in a divorce. But it was also in 2009, so it was a double whammy. Oh Not only the market, but <laughs> you know where the judge says, "Here, she gets half. That's 55%. You get the other 45." And uh, so, just kind of uh, divine infer in. Uh, divine intervention or serendipity coincidence a friend said to me and completely unrelated to my circumstances some people knew what was going on with me some people didn't but completely unrelated he said hey chris i've read this really cool book you should read it and the book of course was robert kiyosaki's rich dad poor dad um a classic. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure you guys know that in canada it's, it's oh yeah <laughs> and so you know i read that and it really uh, just opened my mind to a completely different way of investing. And um, I kind of break the world down into, into conventional investments, which is everything that's publicly traded, whether or not it's through a 401k or a RRSP or whatever, and then alternatives, which is pretty much everything that's not publicly traded. And that includes every kind of real estate and cash value, life insurance and precious metals and cryptocurrency, private equity, uh, all that stuff, pretty much everything that's outside the stock market. So I started moving in that direction pretty quickly. I did performing and non-performing notes, and I had some single-family rentals and some small multifamily. And today I'm pretty much a, a passive investor in a, mostly apartment in investments through through syndications. But uh, uh, nine years after after that illiquidity event, 
I had made up all that money, multiplied it many times over. I quit my job and I never have to work if I don't want to. And I would have never been able to do that if I had stayed on that, you know, that conventional path through pub the publicly traded markets. And uh, so I started my blog in 2018 and I wrote a book in 2020. And, and, and I'm all about educating, you know, the average people, American, Canada, wherever, that there is a there is a better path and it's open to everybody and you don't have to be rich to do it. You just have to know about it and, and open yeah. your mind. And so that that that's what I'm all about. So I hope that was a pretty short no, no, version of, of the background. Very inspirational. Let's drink to that. So what are you drinking, Chris? <laughs> I heard something about a Cabernet Sauvignon or something. Uh, nice. This is a this is a New Zealand Villa Maria uh, Sauvignon Blanc. So when I was yes. uh, when I was working for the company, I was part of a team that sold airplanes all over the world. And so I spent a lot of time down in Australia, New Zealand. And this was something that was introduced to me one time. And it's just a just a, a nice, you know, kind of inexpensive, great drinking wine. So that's my that's my favorite white. Excellent. No, thank you very much for sharing about your discovery. I'm more of a red drinker, uh, but mm -hmm. I do summer and I guess you're in South Carolina, so it is warm here. It's 12 degrees Celsius. Don't ask yeah. me Fahrenheit. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know how to... it's cold. That's all we need to know. Yeah. It's actually considered warm for April. Okay. The okay. snow is gone. Yeah. But yeah, when it gets hotter, I do like a nice white wine and maybe it is. I'm sure it's hotter where you are than here. Mm -hmm. So white wine makes sense. But that sounds great. I'll have to check it out. Uh, and thanks for sharing about your story and how you kind of you didn't lose everything, but you lost 55% of what you had. Mm -hmm. And you said mid 40s. So that took you like, what, a quarter of a century, 25 years to build up. Yep. And then nine years, yep. you made up for it and more. So yep. what's the secret sauce? Like I heard something about gold and cryptocurrency. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, the alternatives have... Uh, have so many advantages over conventional investments, and so num number one, there you know, and, and real estate is 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 the one that I do the most, and um, uh, that's a big part of alternative investments. Although there are the yeah. others that I mentioned, but they have so many advantages. So if you want to, if you want to have a a stock market portfolio of a hundred thousand dollars. You need a hundred thousand dollars. That if no I leveraging. A, if I if I want a hundred thousand dollars single family rental, I only need twenty five or thirty, and somebody else will loan me uh, the rest at very reasonable rates. And guess what? Complete strangers called tenants will pay, you know, that or mortgage and all the expenses for the next for the next thirty years. As a matter of fact, I have a really interesting uh, a formula that I that I. I didn't invent it. I have to say that I heard it and I've captured it. And, um, you know, if you if you bought a single family rental and did nothing and, and, the, and the rental never went up in value and it never had any positive cash flow, all it did was just pay its own expenses over the course of 30 years, the value of somebody else paying off that principle comes out to be somewhere around i don't i'm not looking for the exact number but about 13 percent average annual return With and nothing no cash flow no cash positive. flow yeah no appreciation wow. and that's very unlikely right yeah so, most likely so, there's appreciation or positive cash flow or something going on there yeah and if you look at the and all this is sorry this is a u.s thing but if you look at the the value uh if you look at the s p 500 
a stock market index since its inception, the average turn return to investors has been about 9.8% annually. But Whoa. when they go and do stu there are studies that have been done um, and they look at one was by the balance where they say, well, what does the average stock market investor make annually? They don't yeah. get the index. They get about 5% before taxes and inflation. Oh my goodness. So there's not so, much left at the end. <laughs> yeah. You're just, um, uh, you're just usually not going to get there. Uh, so how, you know, how does it work? You're able to use leverage. You're able to insure your asset. You get the benefit of not only appreciation, uh, but cash flow. You have a lot of control over what you can do. You can insure it <laughs> against loss, yeah. right? And and you, those are none of those things can you do in your, you know, in your four hundred one k or your RSP or your TFSA. No, nope, so true and. There's different profit centers. You were kind of touching on it as well, the appreciation, the cash flow, but there's also um, tax advantages. Yes. I'm sure in the U.S. there's different deductions if you own personally or in a corporation, right. which stocks, well, I mean, if you lose them, then you do get some deductions, <laughs> but you had a major loss. So right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and but but I mean, with, with real estate, uh, at least in the U.S., you get to just regular depreciation. You get to depreciate the property yeah. value, the property, the structure over 27 and a half years. So you even though you can be making positive cash flow and have taxable income from a tax perspective, you might not pay any taxes on that. And you think about uh, mutual funds, you know, mutual funds are nothing but a basket of, of stocks that somebody else has picked out for you. And. You could actually, with a mutual fund, you could you could actually have a, a hundred thousand dollar value of a mutual fund in January, and in December the value of that that bass that that mutual fund shares that you own could be eighty, but you could still pay income tax because of the buying and selling and capital gains that went on during the year. Even though you had a loss overall, you could still be paying taxes on that portfolio. Wow, that's crazy. Just to think about it, and you've made losses, but you're still paying. And the 1031 exchange that you have in the US, we don't have that. Mm -hmm. I know there's talks about maybe phasing it out, but for now, it's there. Still there, uh, yeah. So taking advantage of it. And then you spoke about syndication. Can you tell me more? Because I, in Canada, it is doable. You usually, there's some new rules. You need, um, I think, a mortgage administrator now, mm -hmm. which is quite recent. But in the US, what's the process? Because you can... With syndication, you can buy pretty much anything. Like you yeah. don't even need much cash. Yeah. So I mean, for for the audience, a, a, the simplest, you know, definition or explanation of, of a syndication is is when a, a group of people get together and pool their money to buy an asset that they couldn't buy individually. So when, at least in the U.S., when people are driving down the street and they see this apartment building or they see the self storage facility it's very unlikely that a single person put up the cash to build that whole thing or even put up the cash for the down payment. A couple of people get together and they would be called the general partners. And then they would get money from a whole bunch of limited partners like me. And, and then, uh, you know, what we, the limited partners, let's say it was a, let's say it was a, a $40 million apartment complex that they wanted to buy. They would get together a handful of, or maybe even a hundred limited partners who would rate, who would, put in the $10 million down payment for the loan, and then they'd get the rest from the bank and the syndicators would run this building, do the value add improvements, increase the rents, 
uh, at some point in time refinance and then and sell and then and then you know then the, the general partners and the limited partners split those profits and i can tell you um on the, one of the syndicators in the department syndicators that i primarily use the average annual return to investors across all their apartment buildings over the last six or seven years has been an average of 30% annually. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> when you and, talk and, about the other yeah. like stocks, 4%, 3%. Yeah. 30%. And that, that doesn't include the depreciation and tax benefits that we get here in the US. So then you add that on top of it. And the, and the great thing is, what did I have to do? Well, yeah. I had to pick a syndicator. So, and, and you pick a good one there. You're just like in any business, there are good and bad and mediocre operators. So you pick the syndicator and then you wire your money. And then I, I like to say in about three years or four years, it comes back with twice as many friends as you sent it out with. Right? That sounds amazing. <laughs> Sit back, relax, enjoy your wine and, yes, and yeah. see the investments rolling in and all kinds of benefits. That's yeah. great. How do you pick a good syndicator? Where where do you find them? Like how? What's the process? Um, this is a little this is a little difficult because um, any any two or three people who can put together fifteen thousand dollars to hire the lawyer to create the legal documents can say, "Hey, would you like to give me your money?" And I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z. So, and, and at least in the U.S., this is an, kind of an unregulated thing. It's a private investment. It's not uh, on the stock market and hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, looked at by the SEC. So that's both a good thing and a bad thing. You have to get involved with, with you have to surround yourself with other people. You have to listen to the podcast. You have to read the books, join some mastermind communities that get together on a regular basis and talk about this. And one that I belong to has a forum and the forum has got a conversation about every syndicator that is known and who's been in it and what their experience has been. So the bottom line, you really want a referral from somebody who's done business with that syndicator before. But if you've never done this before, you got to go and like you say, it's all about relationships. You got to go and, and create those relationships so you can you know, talk to other people who have been down the path that you haven't been down yet. Yeah, that's huge. Like comparing notes. And also everybody's looking for different things. So yes, there's money, but sometimes there's more security. If it's your first deal, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some that offer different security levels, maybe a lower return, but you feel safer about it because it's your very first or you lost 55% of your, <laughs> yeah. your assets. So you can't gamble too much at this point. Yeah. You got to rebuild. And then eventually you have some kind of slush money that you could invest, yeah. I guess. Yeah, there could be different types of limited partners where maybe you're just giving a debt piece and you're just yeah. getting a fixed return and you're not getting any of the upside or if you want an equity piece and you want to you know, go the whole gamut. So though all those opportunities out there, and it is, it is, it is quite complicated. There's a lot of people out there. So, uh, and you have to be very careful because, because these things aren't regulated, I would say it would be more easy. It. it would be easier to, to get hooked up with an unscrupulous operator that is, you know, you know, putting your money in the stock market. Although we've heard of the Wells Fargo's and the Volkswagen's and yeah. you know, so it happens there. It happens there too. Right. Yeah, it happens everywhere. You have to do your due diligence. That's something I always repeat and repeat over and over again. And there's an element of risk as well. In like any investment strategy, you got to be willing to take the profits and potentially the losses. How much are you willing to lose? That's the big question. 
Right. Uh, so that's that's one thing. But how much are you willing to gain? That's another interesting question. So yeah. there's a psychological uh, term, and I, I don't remember what the exact name it is. But uh, as as humans, we're we're wired to be. I am I am more I am more of I am I am more afraid of losing five dollars than I am of making a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? So people yeah, are typically so risk averse. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it is easy to become and and as you grow older, like I'm 41, as I go through life, I do become more and more risk averse because I have more and more to lose now. I have kids, I have uh, several properties now and cars and different payments and things. So risk tolerance tends to decrease, I guess, just for some people, uh, which makes it hard. been on the fence about getting a mentor or a coach to scale your real estate investing portfolio your business and have you met with many mentors and coaches only to find out that they what they offer is a series of pre-recorded videos and a facebook group with some uh, group meetings and you need some hand-holding you want to know you want to be accountable you want some one-on-one so look no further i've created the creek the creative real estate investing community And this is where you will have those recorded videos and the weekly calls on Facebook and the group meetings. But wait, you'll also have one-on-one coaching with me. So 12 sessions over a year, plus 12 other sessions with my accountability coach, none other than Rob Wright. So Mr. Rob Wright is joining me to help you stay accountable and make sure that you do achieve your goals and get to the freedom that you want to achieve. So check it out. I will put the information in the notes here and I'd love to see you. There's a free Facebook group you can join to find out more and I'd love to meet with you and tell you how this can change your life and how it's changed mind as well. Like it's all about people and relationships and the one-on-one I think is essential that that was the key to my success. So I'd love to help you. Cheers. So Chris, you mentioned you wrote a book in 2020. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about it. The actually, prolific investor. Yeah, actually, or... I, actually, it was 20. Sorry, it was 2021. Yeah, so uh, 2021. Yeah, it was. It was like November uh, 2021, and my first book came out, and it's called uh, "Get Off Get Off Your A Dollar Sign Dollar Sign and, <laughs> and Manage Your Money." Uh, and the subtitle is "Why You Need Alternative Investments." And I wrote it because. You know, just like kind of even though I kind of had lots of, uh, you know, lots of people that I, uh, you know, associated with, you still kind of make a lot of mistakes when you're doing something new. And I thought, you know, my path was kind of, you know, one step forward, three steps back, two steps to the left. (laughs) Now, now I thought, well, maybe I could I could create a straighter line path of how people (laughs) could move from, you know, conventional stuff to alternatives. And so. That's why I wrote the book. I talk about what conventional investments are, what alternatives are, and I compare them across 13 different categories. And I actually use one real specific uh, uh, alternative example, which is ATM syndications. And, and I do the real numbers of my investment and talk about that across those 13 different categories and kind of give people a, uh, you know, an action plan of how they could go down the path if, if they want to make those changes. But the numbers are just staggering from the returns to the tax benefits to the ta- the cash flow uh it's just they're just it's there's just no comparison so 
anyway, the, the biggest thing is to just like Robert Kiyosaki, open people's eyes and say, look what's possible. Um, yeah. So. No, it's if you're open to opportunities, it, it can change your world. In Canada, we have an equivalent to Robert Kiyosaki. His name is Don R. Campbell. So it's real estate investing in Canada. Okay. And that's a classic. I think his book is about 30 years old or 20 oh, something. Wow. So okay. not, I think around the same time or not yeah. long after Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right. So it's like the Canadian equivalent, a lot more toned down as Canadians. You may have noticed I'm French Canadian. So we're, I'm the opposite, but most like English speaking Canadians are a bit calmer and quieter and more polite. Very uh, nice. Yes. Canadians are very nice. <laughs> that's it. French Canadians are more brash and out there and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Don R. Campbell, great book and it's changed Canada. So people have felt confident now we can invest in real estate mm -hmm. and there is knowledge out there. And just like you said, investing outside of registered funds yeah. and all those things. I'm curious to ask Chris in Canada, you can use your registered funds, RSPs, TFSAs, mm -hmm. similar to the 401ks to invest in real estate. Is that something that you do or that you see that's advantageous in the U.S. or? So in the, um, in the U.S., the 401k, these are most, these are all company sponsored plans. So you get a job you know, with a company and the company offers you this 401k that is administered by like a Fidelity or, or a Vanguard or something like that. And those admin, those custodians or administrators only allow you to invest in the stock market. Now, okay, so no the, self, um, how do they call well, it? Well, no, I, there's more to it though, but okay. the, the government, the IRS says you can invest in anything except for about six things, but the money is, it's just easy, repeatable, money for those custodians so yeah. they don't do that so you can do a self-directed type of of ira or as well as a self-directed or, or what might be called a solo 401k and in those uh things you can uh you can invest in real estate through those vehicles but usually you have to the problem is is if you're working for a company um they uh, contribute like you give five percent they give five percent so they want to give it there there must be a kickback somewhere yeah, well, or something. and you and usually usually you can't get that money until you quit or retire oh, but in wow. the u.s there is something called an in-service transfer so the question uh you have to ask the company is is there an in-service transfer so when i started this i had a bunch of money locked up in a 401k yeah. and, and, and and as far as i knew I couldn't do anything with it until I quit or retired. But a, a friend of mine said, hey, Chris, will your company allow you to do an in-service transfer? And I said, well, what's an in-service transfer? Yeah. He said, well, that's where they let you to move the money before you quit or retire. Wire in service. Okay. And, and, and I kind of laughed it off because I had been working for this company for you know 20 years. And I thought if that was possible, surely I would have heard of that. And I checked and it was. So I, the company allowed hmm. me to move all of their matching contributions, which was a six-figure number, out and that's what i use to kind of jumpstart yeah my to way fuel into, your investments yeah yeah so i was able to do that so everybody needs to ask that question whether you're in canada or the u.s is there a way that i can do a transfer out to a different custodian while i'm still employed yeah no that's a huge key because that's a big question people are like oh this is great real estate investing sure let's go ahead and do it how do i get a down payment how do i get those funds so in Canada and the U.S., we've seen massive in inflation for property prices, values. Yep. 
of all kinds of things. I'm in Ottawa. I'd say property prices have almost tripled in the past seven or eight years. So right. that's that's huge. So yes, you can refinance, pull money out and invest, but now you're paying interest on that money. Mm-hmm. And because of this massive inflation and cost of living going up, you can't save as much. So you need mm-hmm. savings to invest, but then you want to invest, but you have no savings. So if you have that kind of registered fund, that's really interesting. And if you're able to tap into it, of course, there is a risk because when you retire, that fund is gone. But if you multiply it with the, that 30% profit margin or minimum, I mean, that that, that can be huge. So right. Chris, do you have some tips on like what to do next or how, how do you get started in this? Well, you know, and, and Canadian investors can invest in the U.S., and yes, uh, I, I kind of love investing in the U.S. <laughs> and I kind of I I think there are like three three different ways that people can go. And if if and I'll just call them one, two, and three. And if I if I knew in my twenties what I knew what I know today, oh, man, I imagine. would have never put that money in that in that four hundred one k. So I would have. Uh, and so the first thing is in the in the U.S. we have something called turnkey single family rental providers. Yeah. These are companies that operate in certain markets that they know very well and and they buy up houses that they know will be good cash flowing apartments for that area. And they do uh, durable repairs because they know these houses are going to end up being rental units. And they also have a property management company. So they go out and they find qualified tenants and they put a lease in place. And then you can come in as a Canadian in these various cities across the country and come in with either cash or with a down payment on a loan and you buy what's called a loaded rental. And you know, sight unseen, you've now got yourself a cash flowing rental. And you yeah. just you just do that and you repeat. So that's that's one way. Uh, well, actually, the, the the way I was saying sh- that I was I should have made that number two. Number one would have been you just go do it yourself. Yeah, right? that's true. But, but that's hard. If you've got a job and you've got a family, you, now you've got a second a job called a small business of having a yeah. rental. You got to create all the relationships. You got to pick the market. You got to find the people on the ground that are going to do it and wherever that is. So I would have just started with these turnkey. Uh, providers, you know, and it's like, it's like uh, Monopoly, you know, you get little houses and they turn into apartment buildings or hotels. Yeah. And the other way is kind of the way that I do it now, which is uh, I just invest through these syndications. And and we have Canadian syndicators doing Mm -hmm. business in the US. Yes. Or you can go straight to American syndicators as well. There's so many options. And if I'm sure you're aware, a lot of Canadian banks have bought American banks as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, TD Bank, Royal Bank of Canada, um, CIBC, BMO is now BMO Harris in the US, mm-hmm. even Desjardins Credit Unions. So mm-hmm. we can get tons of financing as Canadians. Yep. We're very, because of free trade, I guess, and other agreements, it's very easy to get financing, like easier actually than in Canada. So mm-hmm. it's actually, right. they're like yeah. pushing us to invest outside of our own yep. country. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, matter of fact, one of my favorite syndicators is based in Canada, and they don't invest in Canada. Oh they no, invest in the no, U.S. So, so, um, and then you know the other thing you talked about property prices increasing. So, um, if if you're a Canadian and you're you own a house, and you're experiencing these uh, these property increases, 
in the U.S., we can get we can refinance them and do what's called a cash out refi. So we get the yeah. cash out, or we can get a home equity line of credit. So, believe it or not, and you know, if you've got a if if you've got a five hundred thousand dollar property, and you have a mortgage of four hundred thousand dollars, the property is going up regardless of whether you have a $400,000 mortgage or whether that property is paid off completely. Yeah. That's and the it. cheapest the cheapest money that you can get is real estate. So if if all your money, I consider having equity in your house, no it, that's no different than taking that money and shoved it under your mattress. It is yeah, not doing money. anything for you. So get a home equity line of credit or do a refi and get some cash out and put that into uh, you know, some uh, cash flowing real estate somewhere. It, and again, I have to say, I'm not a financial planner. I don't yeah. give financial advice. These are my opinions, but I do this stuff, right? No, that's awesome. And we we have the same program as well. Uh, we even have uh, the STEP program with Scotia Bank, uh, where as you pay down or your tenants pay down, I have several properties set up like that. As your mortgage pay down the uh, the mortgage, that, sorry, the tenants pay down the mortgage, you get a line of credit that just builds instantly that you can right. use without permission, like asking for permission. You can just yeah. use it to buy in the US. Uh, we can even use registered funds in the US as Canadians. So I found oh, a way. Interesting. Which is really cool. You can take it out of your country. Uh, so there's so many avenues. We could talk for hours, Chris. Yeah. I think uh, we have a connection here. Uh, so if my listeners would like to get a copy of your book or connect, what's the best way to, to reach you and find out more? Yeah, if you go pretty much the website, if you go to the prolificinvestor.net, the prolificinvestor.net, there's a handful of ways you can interact with me there. There's a conventional investing wisdom quiz that you can take. It's 10 questions and you answer them and then you'll get your answers and you'll get my answers via email. Uh, in the middle, there's a coffee cup. And you, if you want to schedule a free 30-minute virtual coffee with me to talk about this kind of stuff, I set aside Thursdays to do that. And then, then right on the homepage, there's a, there's, a, um, there's, there's, a, there's a picture of the book and a flashing icon. So if you click on that, it'll take you to the Amazon link where you can buy the book. If you go direct to Amazon, the best way to do it is to type in my name, Chris Odegaard, because that comes to the top quicker than putting in that long title and subtitle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then all this, all the uh, blogs, articles, and videos are there. And I've got a whole bunch of references of syndicators and different turnkey providers that I haven't done turnkey providers, but I've listed a couple that I know have very good reputations. And if I was going to go down that path, I would start there. And then all the social media links are there. So everything's at the prolificinvestor.net. Excellent. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Do you have any final word of advice you'd like to share with my audience? Something special or? Um, well, I would say, uh, you know, you, you become what you think about. Yeah. Right? So uh, one of the biggest things about making any kind of change, whether it's this or not, is you got to start putting a whole new flow of information into your brain, whether it's books, podcasts, and you might have to change out some friends. You know, you need to start yes. hanging around people who are doing, who are already, you know, at the place where you want to be. So, you know, you become what you think about. So start changing your thinking, you know, instead of, uh, you know, watching football or hockey or binging episodes of Breaking Bad, whatever it might be, you <laughs> know, uh, get tuned into all this stuff and, and you'll be surprised how much progress you can make 
you know, in nine years, you know, for example. Yeah, that's it. You turned around your life completely. Now you're a published author, prolific mm -hmm. investor, international uh, speaker now. You've yes, now you reached go. Canada <laughs> and probably other countries with your, your publications. So, wow, this words of wisdom, people pay attention. And this was great to hear as well, a different advice. I, I hear a lot, take action, yes but also change your, your mindset and your thoughts, like fill your mind with different things and that will change your life. And wow, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. And I hope our listeners will take you up on your offer to speak on a, on a Thursday about investment strategies and get a copy of your book as well. That sounds very intriguing. I'll have to look it up. Well, thanks for having me on, Francois. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. Hey there, listeners. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Wine and Real Estate Podcast. Yes, absolutely. You can find us on Instagram. Our handle is wine underscore and underscore real estate. So wine and real estate on Facebook, FL Homes Corp. And you can also find us on our YouTube channel. Yes. And please make sure to give us a rating, five stars mm -hmm. or any comments. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we love suggestions as well. Cheers. Yeah. Chin chin. Thank you.